0: Welcome to Backroom Talk.
1: I want to talk about body weight program design today. Very first thing to hit on and consider in the full context of this conversation is that principles don't change.
0: But even in the way that a training session is laid out, like we have to rethink that. You know, prescribing running to anyone, especially when you're extending it out, it's very important to understand, are they recovering from that running? To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to OPEXfit.com.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. We are back in the studio this week. Uh, Glad to be in person. And before we get into the topic of conversation for today, Carl, I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about something super exciting that we have uh, upcoming which is our Coaches Summit. So could you share a little bit about that?
0: I feel like every month or so, we always say like, we have something really exciting.
1: This is actually coming. really exciting
0: though. <laughs> no, it really is. It is. Um, sorry, what was your question? You asked me What is ask.
1: it? What's the summit?
0: Yeah. So gosh, we've been talking about doing a version of this for three or four years, three or four years. And the idea has always been, we need to, we need to get everyone together right? We need to get everyone together. We need to talk about things, uh, inside of CCP. We need to talk about things outside of CCP. We need to bring in really smart people and allow them to teach. And, uh, um, cause I know some people get tired of hearing, uh, us in this, in this, uh, building. So bringing those people in and, uh, just giving us an opportunity to collaborate with a bunch of coaches around the world. Um, so we decided to finally do it, and it felt like the it felt like the right year um by no means are we out of covid so I don't wanna say like twenty twenty was one of those years where no one saw anyone and we were all stuck in our homes and it was it was that and it still is that to to a certain extent for some people so um, it is a good year to do it i think um so yeah, we're doing that we're getting a bunch of coaches together here in Scottsdale at a beautiful resort here in Scottsdale. I don't know what's what's going to be better uh taking a vacation here in October at that resort or uh coming and hanging out with uh with the crew and stuff like that. But yeah, we're doing that in October.
1: Yeah, October 22nd and 23rd is going to be uh it'll be those dates so that Friday Saturday. Uh Scottsdale is gorgeous that time of year so coaches if you're looking for a little vacation it's a perfect spot to uh to have a little getaway much
0: better than august
1: yeah august yeah. uh is which we're currently in is a little bit a little bit toasty here we it's went hot. for a it's post-lunch hot. walk in the 103 <sighs> degree weather it was uh that's
0: actually cool though for this week it's been like 109 111 113 so yeah yeah, yeah not 103
1: too bad. is cool that's uh yeah. <laughs> that's a problem yeah no
0: but yeah over those couple of days we're going to um we're going to be doing some CCP-specific stuff on the first day and ensuring that all of our coaches understand. We should probably say that it's only open to CCP coaches Important this year. Important detail. Um, all of our coaches understand exactly how we want them to deliver fitness and, uh, you know, have an opportunity for people to give their own uh, personal antidotes and, and stuff like that and kind of talk through uh, perform the OPEX method. So that's day one. Um Day two will be uh, the outside speakers, so we'll have a bunch of uh, presenters and we'll have some panels, and we're gonna do a little short um, award ceremony at the end of uh, at the end of day two. So you never know if you're a part of that if you're a CCP coach, so you better come just in case uh, your name gets called. If you're not here, we're gonna put some duct tape on that uh, award and uh, write someone else's name that is there.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll be uh, really glad to recognize some of the amazing coaches in our community and what they're doing. And I know any time that I've come to OPEX events in the past before I was you know living here and working for the company, obviously the education is great, but the best part is just like the connection between uh, the education, right? Being able to have lunch uh, and chit chat with uh, other coaches who may be experiencing similar challenges or we're doing something really awesome that you're going to learn from. So mm-hmm. I think that networking ability to get to come together with a bunch of like-minded coaches is one of the greatest benefits. So I'm very excited for the summit and uh, to get to connect in person with our community. We exist online so much with our education. So just like great to get in person. Uh, and we do right now have uh, discounted pricing as well. So we do have a special promo $75 off uh, of pricing. So make sure guys, you get in when, you listen to this episode, get in right away because that is going to expire and the price is going to go up. So make sure you get in if you want that $75 off. Yep. All right. Well, that is the summit. Uh, before we move on, as always, if you are listening to this podcast, please make sure you like and leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and hit uh, hit like. We appreciate that stuff a lot. <laughs> now, Carl, I've got an article I want to share with Sorry,
0: you. Sorry, Emma's laughing because oh. I did like, review. Subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, review, subscribe.
1: Like, review, subscribe, guys. That's uh, that's <laughs> what we need. That's what we appreciate. But uh, let's chat about this article. So uh, it is from today. Obviously, a reliable resource for all things health and fitness, uh, of course. But essentially, the
0: oh, from today. Like the article is from today. The I artic- thought you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant like the article was released today, and it's from a very reliable source. And I thought. You're gonna say something uh, no, funny after today, that. So I was waiting. Today is the today is, is the, the source, but it
1: was also released today, so both were right. Got it. The title is "Cutting 200 Calories a Day Plus Exercising Improves Heart Health for Obese Adults." So essentially, uh, it was a study looking at the study was looking at vascular health and aortic stiffness. So essentially you want a flexible aorta, and so that was what was measured to determine if there were improvements in that uh, for the participants. So I think there was three groups. Group one did aerobic exercise training only consisting of walking on a treadmill four times a week. Uh, Group two did that aerobic exercise plus moderate calorie restriction. So they were asked to cut 250 calories a day. Though on average, it was about 200 a day that was cut. And then group three did aerobic exercise plus higher calorie restriction. And uh, after five months, there were no changes in aortic stiffness for the people who exercised only. In the second group, there were significant improvements. So that was the group who cut 200 calories. And then in both calorie restriction groups there was a similar amount of weight loss so essentially what the article sums up is that it may not be necessary to eat drastically less to see a weight and heart health benefit yeah i want i want to hear your initial (laughs) thoughts
0: um initial thoughts are that's it's everything sounded obvious um i don't know if they dug into the negatives behind over restriction in group three um but i think that's probably something that's that's missing a missing link in the article itself because there has to be there has to be some type of inverse relationship and why group three didn't continue to see those great results that group two showed so um i'd just be interested into uh uh, what specifically um they started seeing as adverse um, effects from group three and did they talk about absolute calories, or did they just say they cut those amount of calories from their?
1: This article just says they cut 200 calories. They don't talk about the absolute number.
0: Um, what about the latter group? Because it, it's the, a more significant...
1: Yeah, again, the latter, it only says 600 fewer calories a day than usual. So Got it. compared to what their usual intake was, I suppose. So I would
0: assume they took a group of, of, uh, of people, and they looked at how many calories they're eating currently. And they put the people that were eating a higher amount of calories into that group three, because you are probably not going to cut five or 600 calories from someone that's eating 1000 calories total. So I wonder if there's some, uh, you know, some, some health, some health considerations for those people that were just eating a higher volume of absolute calories as well. Um, So I don't know, I know, I'm like looking at it, like, oh, they must have gotten something wrong, or they didn't do something or consider something. But That's where my head immediately goes because I would would assume that, based on what they're laying out here, I would assume that the results would almost be linear. Um, But there's probably some considerations that didn't make those results linear because they didn't have the same group of people based on how much, what the percentage off of that absolute calorie consumption they had to cut yeah does that
1: make sense it absolutely does and it's from our perspective we're going to want to dig deeper into uh, looking at that study and like how it was conducted I'm thinking about the average person who is reading this today article and what is the value that they're getting from reading and understanding this and I do think that there's just some, some pieces that are missing in the eat less, move more prescription, which we've heard handed out so many times over the years. Like there's definitely validity to the fact that a lot of people are not moving enough and are eating an overabundance of calories, but we know that there's more to it than that (laughs) as Mm -hmm. fitness practitioners and people that have worked, you know, in the trenches with clients trying to help them, you know, manage weight and, you know, have healthy metabolism and everything like that. So I just always like the, alarm bells like sirens go off when I read a headline like that because the whole like the idea that you could just like cut out you know a a granola bar or like you know not eat a scoop of peanut butter or something like that and that's going to drastically change your health like maybe it would maybe Mm -hmm. for some people it would make a difference but we also know that Quality of food matters significantly, hydration matters significantly, how much sleep someone's getting matter as well. So I'm just always worried when I see articles like this.
0: Yeah, I think uh <laughs> gosh, I'm not as worried as you. I think I think most I think there's there's different populations we have to consider. I think in our bubble, and I know we say that quite often, but in our like little fitness bubble, that's a problem for us, right? Like, no, you don't need to move more and eat less. But if you get outside of our bubble and you look at the population as a whole, I would venture to guess that a very, very large percentage of our population actually do need to eat a little bit less and move a little bit more. So that's why when I see something like that and I think about general population people reading that, I'm like, yeah, it probably doesn't give them like, well, this is exactly what you need to do and this is how you need to do it. But I think the message is probably in line for a large percentage of the population not like the chronic exercisers that are super stressed their hormones are shot and like we all know that story but that's not most people most people aren't moving at all and most people are they don't even have a concept of the amount of food that they eat on a daily basis i don't know i'm not saying this is the greatest <laughs> yeah. article in the world i guess i'm just not like general population i think this is something that most people could benefit from hearing
1: For sure. For sure. I just don't know that most people could do anything with that information. I I agree. That's the the challenge. Like what is 200 calories? I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't even realize or know that um, or realize the consequence of like pulling 200 calories from lunch and how that's going to affect how they feel later in the day and Mm -hmm. cause, you know, snacking to happen that they might not realize was even happening? Cause it just happened unconsciously. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm always a little, little yeah, skeptical. You're such but. a, yeah,
0: you're a, you're a perfect world type <sighs> person. Pre- I could appreciate that. I can dream. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's weird though. Right. Cause it's like how much, how much can an article hold someone's hand into like guiding them to the light and showing them the way. Cause even, even the fact of saying like, you know, most people don't understand what 200 calories is. I think that's already a problem. It's like, okay, like if you're, if you're reading this article and you're trying to get something from it and that comes in your head, like, I don't even understand. I have no concept what 200 calories is. It's like, pull up Google, right? Look at, look at the back of a nutrition label. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a long road. I think there's a lot of shit that would have to be done to like, you know, create something that is great for everyone. And, you know, a resource that everyone could go to and and benefit from. Um, but I think we could pick apart almost anything, right? Almost any article. So we could pick apart articles that we put out and be like, well, are we giving people the exact answer that they need right now? And it's like, no, we're probably just like nudging them a little bit where it's like, Hey, understand the things that you should probably think about learning. Um, and today's probably not doing that. But um, I think there's a place for like little nudges here and there.
1: Well, hopefully it's a little nudge to go and hire an OPEX coach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are they selling anything here?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't they're think just they're selling, selling clicks, anything. right? Yeah. That's it, just clicks only. Yeah,
0: they're trying to get clicks with the uh, 200 fewer calories. Okay, yeah. I mean, looking at the title, it takes just 200 fewer calories a day plus exercise to improve heart health. That's true today. Thank you for that. Appreciate I'll it always remember that.
1: <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's move on from the article. I want to talk about body weight program design today. Is that okay? Can um, you do that? What if I said no? Uh, so long as you had a, a proposal of a different topic, I would oh, be okay. okay with it. Because you can do you want to do something different?
0: No, this sounds great. Okay. I love this I love this topic. Okay. It's a good topic. And I know you're very passionate about <laughs> I'm so, training with your body weight. I'm so
1: passionate about it.
0: Tossing. We're talking about tossing people around in judo and BJJ today. This is, this is so true. I know you're inspired to talk about body weight training so you can use your body weight, your relative strength yes. to toss another person or, I guess I wouldn't be relative strength if you're tossing another person use their <laughs> use
1: their energy yeah. against them yeah, that's yeah. the that's the really fun stuff but yeah I I do some body weight training in my own fitness practice not not a ton most of the stuff I'm doing in the gym is with some kind of external load mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to chat about this topic today for a couple reasons number one we are seeing some gym closures and lockdowns in parts of the world we hit on this a couple weeks ago uh, but there are some people back training at home and uh, I think even in parts of the world where people haven't re- people where gyms are open there are some still some people training at home or working out with kind of limited equipment we've definitely seen and like a real boost in interest around body program design we get the questions a lot people love that kind of content so I think mm-hmm. it's an important one to talk about and then secondarily one of my clients is traveling right now she's on a holiday in turkey for a month which nice. is uh, pretty cool where's she from she's from here she's okay. from here her family's from mexico but her husband's from turkey so uh they've got a yeah pretty pretty cool uh multinational life going on they live in the u.s but yeah spending some time there with his family but no access to a gym for a month just uh doing some body weight stuff uh, got got some resistance bands so I'm working within those bounds with one of my clients, so it's something that's uh, top of mind for me. So yeah, that's the reason I wanna talk about it.
0: Yeah, I'm here, let's do it.
1: Let's do it. So I guess uh, very first thing to hit on and consider in the full context of this conversation is that principles don't change, right? Whether someone's training at home, they're training at the gym, whether they have a barbell or a dumbbell or bands. Like there are some things, some fitness principles that guide us that will make it so that we're not just trying to throw together bodyweight exercises or banded exercises for the sake of doing them. We still have you know, proper intention and some framework to fall back on. So I think it's just an important thing to acknowledge that the principles we're talking about today would still apply for the most part, even if we're talking about exercising in a gym.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna ask you question number one. I know I kind of bulleted this stuff out, but I'm gonna ask it to you. Um, talk to us about like the characteristics of body weight training.
0: Um, God, like what what, like what is body weight training? Yeah. Or... What what is it? What is it? Yeah. I mean, how I would define body weight training is utilizing one's own body weight to gain some type of, um, let's just call it resistance. And usually that's coming from gravity or from their own body weight, gravity and like, uh, you know, portions of certain exercises and body weight in terms of, uh, lifting your own body weight up or pushing your body weight away from the ground. Um, I wouldn't consider like banded stuff, um, and using like odd objects and stuff like that. I mean, I wouldn't consider that body weight. I don't think a lot of people would, but I would, I would consider that more like, you know, I'm utilizing minimum equipment. Um, I don't know if that's what you were looking for. Just like what, what is body weight training? Yeah,
1: definitely. I think it's important to note. We're not talking about someone who's like pursuing high level calisthenics. Like that's not the purpose of this conversation. It's again, more about that person who's training with limited or no equipment and how can we apply good fitness principles Mm -hmm. to them. When we think about the idea that, that we have this person and they're just training with body weight, there are some glaring things that they do not have that someone who's training in the gym does have number one is intensity right Mm -hmm. there's just like a lack of intensity that you're going to be able to apply in their training so we think about contraction types and contraction progression and what someone might be able to do well if they only have their own body weight and it comes down a little bit to training age and things like that as well but they're not going to be able to do a maximal contraction just with their body weight and by intensity
0: you mean External load, exactly. not like someone's heart rate is going, and it feels like a very intense workout. Yeah, I'm
1: talking about load and yep. that you know tough CNS response and that high mm-hmm. level attention. Like you just you're not gonna get that from body weight nope. training. No, nope. uh, there's a lack of variety as well in body weight training because you're limited by the movements that you have access to, right? Oh,
0: I'll I would push back against that. De- depending on who it is, right? If it's someone you did mention, like it depends on uh, their experience and their training age. If you have someone that has a fairly robust training age, there's so many things that one can do with their own body weight. If you're working with someone that can't do a push-up, I'm with you, totally different. Now you're very limited. But if you're working with someone with uh, a decent amount of experience, there's a lot of nuanced ways to challenge that person utilizing their own body weight, whether that's, you know, reps, whether that's higher skill body weight movements, uh, w- whether that's um you know, messing around with the speed of the contraction and stuff like that. I think there's a, there's a lot of ways to do that. And, you know, I was in that, I was in that position for, this was a long time ago, but um, what did I spend? I, I probably spent about a year and a half um, off and on with no access to equipment in the military. Like when I was going through like training, cause it was all like, you know, you live in this like you live in this um, bay and there's no equipment there and you're there with like 50 other people. And I was just there and there was uh, we focused on like push ups and sit ups and running and stuff like that. And I was like at that point, very, very addicted to exercise and lifting weights. And that would be me like three in the morning waking up, going the corner and like trying to figure out ways to uh, challenge myself physically before we like actually did our workout for the day um, for training. But I remember getting like very, very um, nuanced, let's call it, and like different ways to challenge myself because it was like, you know, thinking about like a weekly split and and doing that. Essentially, I was doing that seven days a week. So I was like, I just can do it seven days a week. So I'm not like sore from doing all that the, that calisthenic work yesterday. So I was always just trying to figure out ways to challenge myself in different in different arenas there. So um, yeah, for me personally, I learned a lot. Yeah. I went, that.
1: I went very deep down the rabbit hole of all um, Chris Summers stuff, the mm-hmm. gymnastic bodies for a while, like probably, I don't know, five years ago, maybe. And uh, there's an incredible like amount of progression inside of that. And, uh, you know, pursuit of some really cool gymnastic skills that someone could go after if uh, you know, that's what lights them up and, and what they want to work on in training. So there's definitely the opportunity to, uh have you know specific goals have some variety inside of training i guess i think more to the average b- beginner type client yeah. because let's be real a lot of the people that a lot of coaches are working with in you know in gyms uh, who might be transitioning back to home a lot of them are beginners mm-hmm. or somewhere in that kind of beginner area so I, I do kind of think to those people and chances are they're fairly limited in uh in movements that they're capable of doing with their own body weight
0: yeah yeah no i'd agree with that yeah with a beginner and someone that doesn't have a bunch of experience definitely um but that's where i think the non-body weight stuff comes in where you start to like get creative and and what you can use for resistance and stuff like that um but yeah overall i agree with that
1: Let's talk a little bit about intentions of bodyweight training. Uh, and I guess for that like general population type person who's not necessarily like trying to get, you know, some in- incredible like gymnastic skill. They're not like interested in working on their iron cross and they're not Carl who's uh, training seven days a week at 3 a.m. They're not neither of those well, I wasn't
0: doing sexy things. Uh, <laughs> that sounds weird. 3 a.m. <laughs> um, no, I definitely wasn't trying to get an iron cross. I was just... I was just trying to like get a response. I was like, man, I'm 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 losing muscle mass, and um, I'm be I'm in my head. I was like, I'm becoming so deconditioned. Um, and we'll probably get into that when you get into intentions. But there's some really good stuff that comes from uh, just use utilizing one's own body weight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. I guess there's like a level of realism that has to kick in uh, for the coach that is working with a client who is training at home, who's on vacation. Maybe they're working out, you know, in a hotel room or something like that, just with body weight. Uh, The goal is probably not to like push max capacity in conditioning work. It's probably not to like increase maximal strength. Like there's just some stuff we can't do. Mm -hmm. Fair to say?
0: Um, And on the strength piece... Yeah, I'd I'd say you could push uh, work capacity. You go and run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you <get a> lot <laughs> it of, might be a great opportunity. Yeah, you get a, a lot, lot of good stuff from running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I'd agree. Uh, you're not you're not going to uh, win a powerlifting competition after eight months of not lifting any weights
1: yeah so just having conversations with clients if they are transitioning to an at-home environment uh, or they need to do body weight only training for a period of time uh the goal is going to be consistency in training uh and making sure that you you know you're creating great rhythm and getting some some kind of movement in every day the goal is going to be looking at functional movement patterns and making sure that we're getting you know doses of all of those patterns in and you know good balance and resistance What else? What else am I missing?
0: Um, It's a great opportunity to become really efficient in one's training as well. Um, Because I think, I think, uh, and maybe a lot of coaches learned this last year. And, you know, when, when, you know, a lot of the world was, was all in lockdown and a lot of people were in the same uh, situation where they just didn't have access to equipment. But I think coaches and clients can utilize um, all that stuff in the gym almost as like a crutch, right? Where it's like, um, well, I have this thing, so I feel like I have to do this thing over and over and over again. And it's just like, you know, we're biased to this thing or that thing, or a client likes to use this piece of equipment, whether it's a barbell or a kettlebell or whatever it is in the gym. And that's what the coach uh, prescribes. And sometimes a coach can have so many of those clients that are doing kind of the same things. And when you take all that stuff away, the coach is like, oh shit, what now? Right, like they're thinking, how can I replace those resistance exercises with a substitute with using only body weight instead of thinking what you said at the top at the top of the conversation, like the principles don't change. Like, how can I use someone's body weight to prescribe what I know to be true already? Like almost losing the concept of like, I have to have external load. So I think it challenges the coach in that way. On the client standpoint, when they're actually performing that bodyweight exercise session, um, they probably notice that you don't need as much rest between sets. They probably notice that um, a little more control, let's say we we're doing like air squats at a tempo, like there's an opportunity to like actually feel that air squat throughout its, its full range of motion. Um, and you don't need to be in the gym or in your garage or in your backyard, wherever you're doing that body weight training session, you don't, you don't need to be in there for 60, 75 minutes because you don't need like, well, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to rest for two to three minutes. And then I'm going to do that. It's usually like boom, 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 boom. And then I'm done. Right. And you can get some really good responses out of that. Um, but I think it c- can create on the client side, an opportunity to become really efficient and exercise. And I think that's what a lot of people realize when they lost all that equipment. They're like 30 minutes. I feel pretty wrecked right now. Like I got some really good work in. I don't have to do another 30 minutes. Yeah. It's a
1: really good opportunity to simplify and to think about what is the minimum effective dose of exercise that one needs to do to support all the things they want to do in life. And Mm -hmm. for most of us, it's probably less than we're doing in the gym. Uh, For me, probably for you as well, Carl, Mm -hmm. like we could spend less time in the gym and still have a great life, Mm -hmm. but I know we like spending time in the gym. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I'd have a great life (laughs) (laughs) if I spent less time. No, no. I mean, that's always been, yeah, it's always been a huge bias of mine. Um, you know, spending that 60, 75 minutes in the gym, you know, six days a week and not doing it for any other reason than I just really enjoy it. Um, except for today, I was feeling a little Feeling a little tired today in the gym coming off of that rough last week. It's like, oh my slow. gosh, can't catch my breath. Um, but no, yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this is a nice tie in to talk about. Let's go more into program design. So, We're gonna break it into patterns and pacing. Uh, So patterns on the one end, we're talking about resistance training essentially and what someone could do at home uh, with their body weight for that. And then pacing, we can talk a little bit about like aerobic or sustain uh, conditioning type training. So patterns first and you hit on it already, which I I really liked the idea that a lot of coaches are thinking about that like one kettlebell exercise they do with their client, and they're trying to replace that exercise Mm -hmm. uh, in training. But instead of trying to replace exercises, it's like, peel it back. Let's think about what we're trying to accomplish in resistance. We want people to develop great efficiency and get some kind of tension in all of our movement patterns. So don't like look at what they did the week before in the gym and just try and swap out the exercises think in terms of patterns instead so squat bend push pull lunge and core let's think about all these things that we want them to do and now let's think about inside of that what are bodyweight exercises that can tick the box and make sure that we're hitting all of those patterns throughout a week and i'd say best practice like for someone training at home just because a lot of the time variety is a little bit less for the beginner and because they're they're a beginner as well. Full body resistance is probably going to be a good option for body weight training.
0: Yep. And in format too. Um, because you mentioned, we don't want to just like switch out the resistance exercise for the body weight exercise week one to week two, and just like scale it back. Um, but even in the way that a training session is laid out, like we have to rethink that or no, we don't have to, but it's a great opportunity to re- rethink that. Because you said full body resistance. And I, I think a lot of people were probably thinking like, okay, A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2, D1, D2, boom, I'm gone, right? But it is a great opportunity to kind of, what did we, we talked about that a couple months ago when we were talking about like uh, GBC and stuff like that. It's a great opportunity to to add some of that stuff into this, right? Where it's like A1, A2, A3, A4, A5, A6, A1, A2, A3, and you know what I mean? And you can split that up in many different ways. Like if you're using a pattern-based approach, that can just be, you know, Squat, bend, blah blah blah, all the way down, Um, and you could do those, you know, two, three sets, and you could be out, right? And you're getting that response, and uh, that might start to feel like intensity to someone not in low, but in the amount of work that they're doing and the variation that they're feeling inside of it. So I think we can rethink the way that we lay out training sessions as well.
1: Definitely. Um, Let's talk a little bit about progression of said training sessions and what's happening because we know that we can't really increase load. Like intensity, Mm -hmm. increasing intensity per week is probably not an option like maybe you know they could have their partner sit on their back while they do their push-ups or like so like you got a couple kids you like go from the smaller <laughs> kid to the larger kid <laughs> per week
0: it's actually a good one i like that one. yeah it's a good progression yeah, yeah,
1: yeah for those that have, or you just
0: get months fatter months. week to week
1: well we try and avoid that it is clients. gain
0: i want to gain one and a half pounds per week do the same exercises am i increasing in intensity on in the push-up yeah. Technically, I mean, yeah. It's true. It's yeah. true.
1: That <laughs> could be considered a progression for some people. Uh, some people want to get bigger. So, uh,
0: yeah, there, there we go.
1: That's legit. But no, I, uh, I think that the obvious one is increasing volume, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of people, it's going to be taking them from, you know, let's say someone can do five push-ups. Let's see how we can nudge that from week to week to six to seven to eight. Get, you know, fancy and play around with some clusters and things like that uh, as we try and extend that volume out. So, mm-hmm yeah volume is kind of the name of the game uh for body weight training
0: emma I remember we we did a lot of push up clusters <laughs> we yeah did. I was just thinking yeah about. emma had a a goal of hitting a certain amount of push ups and yeah we had some fun with that over uh a series of cycles and adding volume and and that to that point though yeah i agree volume is a is a great way to progress, but if we're if we're looking at coaching someone and we know that we're only going to have their body weight for an extended period of time. I would even look at progression a little bit differently. If if a client has a specific goal, for example, like Emma's push-up goal, absolutely, let's progress that to get it because now it's a good opportunity to hit that goal because now all we have to, to train with is our own body weight. So let's lean into that. But let's say someone's like, oh, no, I don't have any specific goals. Doing like clusters of push-ups every week might get boring. And I say that because they might not have – any connection to increasing their pushups or anything like that. So I think the the biggest consideration is how can I a co- that a coach needs to ask themselves is how can I continually drive adaptation. Like that's it. How can I continually drive adaptation? And you know, of course there's the the things that we always say where it's like ensure that someone can recover from it, re- ensure that someone can perform it and they're capable of doing it. But that's what I would think about week to week is like, what can I give them in this laid out plan that I have? Let's say it is that pattern based plan. What can I give them every week that's going to drive adaptation a little bit more or in a different way than last week? So that can look like on InDesign, a completely random program. Like if you're looking at it without having any context, but the coach knows their client and they're like, hey, I want to make this challenging every day. Uh, Because I think why a lot of clients would become bored is they don't feel like they're they're being challenged anymore. It's very unlikely that you'll have a client that finishes every training session and they're like, that was challenging and almost too much. Like it was just enough, almost too much. They feel good. So they recovered from it. I doubt that same client is going to come back to their coach the next day and say, hey, I'm really bored with my training session. Because there's like that that nice mesh of like challenge, but there's success inside of that challenge You're not giving them things that they just can't do. Um, And you're getting them better, quote unquote, every single week because you're just challenging them. So I know we're going to talk about a bunch of different ways to progress, but I would just say, let's just figure out ways to drive adaptation on a week to week basis.
1: Yeah completely agree and again like you said that might not sometimes follow the typical format that we're used to as coaches where it's like we're going through this eight week period of uh training and at the end we're gonna retest your back squat and we're gonna be reducing volume and increasing intensity across <laughs> these eight weeks. Like that's just not an option. Yeah. So uh how can we add some challenge that you can adapt to through variety uh in that design there. Playing with tempo is another way that we can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, slowing down some eccentrics, adding pauses in, uh, not going, you know, shorter with tempos from week to week to week, because again, we're not going heavier, but probably extending out tempos, adding pauses in interesting ways where you're biasing different parts of the movement. Again, just to create some challenge and then interest uh, in what someone's uh, doing from week to week. So that's another place we can play with. Going from complementary movement pairings where someone's doing, you know, like a squat and then a push pattern uh, to going in non-complementary patterns uh, where you're doing like a squat and a squat back to back, mm-hmm. that could be another way to drive challenge and uh, progression from week to week. What else am I missing?
0: Yeah. I mean, it actually meshes what came to my mind um, that I used with a couple people last year um, were like almost like pseudo drop sets where... Um, it was varying tempo, uh, from like not exercise to exercise or sorry, week to week. It was like set to set where it was like, you know, perform, you know, air squats at a three, one, three, one tempo times eight reps, um, right into, you know, as many air squats as possible in 30 seconds at a one, zero X one tempo. Um so it was almost like that that drop set mentality, but utilizing someone's body weight to do that. So that's almost a mesh of the two things that you just laid out in varying tempo and uh non complementary exercises.
1: What about for your advanced trainee? Because we've talked a fair amount about beginners, um and you know, a lot of this would apply to a beginner intermediate. I guess it's true for advanced too, but like you think about someone who has years of training under their belt and they can do a hundred ups and, you know, 50 pull-ups and air squats for days. Uh, is there a way to create enough tension and like get challenged for that person through body weight training?
0: Oh gosh, absolutely. Yeah, I would actually argue that advanced trainees, when we're talking about advanced trainees and, and people that are so used to being in the gym. So let's say like you, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, um, you utilize body weight training a little bit in your training program. I bet if we're like, okay, Georgia, let's put all the, the weights away and we're going to do a lot of volume in every pattern utilizing just your body weight, you're going to feel a little bit deconditioned when we first start doing that. You might be bench pressing two or three times a week right now, but now when it's like, okay, yeah, you can do 50 push-ups in a row, but we're going to accumulate... Let's call it two hundred push-ups in this in this one session. In the very first set, we're actually going to push you to almost your absolute limit. We're going to do like a set of forty. That's going to be really challenging to you, just because you're not used to that amount of blood being in those specific muscles and recovering and doing that large amount of volume over and over and over. So, an advanced trainee that is, I, I would break it down as it an advanced calisthenic trainee or an advanced resistance training or weight training uh trainee because those two things are are actually different like just because you're very conditioned in the gym doesn't mean that you're very conditioned outside of the gym or when we take away all of um all of the the load that you can lift in the gym
1: all that load that i can lift in the gym (laughs) Hey
0: man, sometimes you get after it. Um, <laughs> no, no, sorry, I, that wasn't like a hedge away from like, oh no, no, no. body weight training can be good for for everyone. Yeah. But um, I think people that do have a lot of that are in the gym a lot. Like you take their you take their weights away and you tell them to do a lot of body weight training. They're like, oh my gosh, I want I want the weights back so I can move a little bit slower, so it's not so hard and difficult. It's almost like you know doing Murph. Yeah. <laughs> right. You get some really fit people out doing Murph and they're like. When did push-ups get so hard? And it's like you just haven't done them in this setting in a very long time, yeah. if ever.
1: It's just a different dose, though, right? Like, there, someone is not going to get the same response from doing a heavy five on the back squat as they are from doing three hundred air squats.
0: No, no, not at all. Yeah. So, um, but let's say it is someone that is advanced in calisthenics. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on what their goal is, right? Like, like you said, if if their goal is to, um, you know, increase muscle mass, let's say it's like, that's a goal that is probably not going to be accomplished by just using their body weight because they're in advanced training and using just their body weight. Right. So I think it just depends on what, what the hell they're trying to do. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's like a, a hedge answer, but um, I think it depends on, on what they're trying to do and what their goal is cool. in doing that bodyweight training.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about pacing a little bit and uh, and doing conditioning work at home because I think this stuff's a little easier and a little bit more straightforward. Most people have a pair of running shoes and uh, can head out the door and do <laughs> some amount of some volume of running. Yeah. Not everyone, like mm-hmm. it may be inappropriate for some people. Uh, you definitely see issues where someone has not, done a lot of running and accumulated volume and then they decide that running is going to be the thing for them and they lace up their shoes and they head out day after day and all of a sudden their ankles and their knees are bugging them so Mm -hmm. uh there's considerations there if someone has not already spent time running but if someone is a good runner and has built up volume there or you're prepared they're prepared and you're prepared to work with them to slowly build that volume over time um then it seems like it's uh a no brainer for uh body weight only training.
0: Emma, we did this, we did this also. Emma yeah, did yeah. some running. How yeah. did it go?
1: How, how was that process?
0: Um, I don't know. I wish Emma had uh, a mic right now. Um, I think it went pretty good. We, we did enough running where we got to the end and she was like, I want to do some weightlifting now, yeah. <laughs> some resistance training. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was that, right. It was like, you know, identifying what that volume, that volume, that recoverable volume was from the start. And, you know, we went through a couple iterations of it, but it was iteration one. It was like, Hey, let's add a lot of volume to this. Eventually we want to be able to run 60 minutes, um, outside in the uh, Arizona summer heat. Um, and then we went down and and we got faster and we, we did some intervals and stuff like that, but we always paid attention to the amount of volume. And there was always like questions on like, you know, how did you feel in this? Like, what was your exertion? Um, could you have gone faster? Uh, could you have not And with, with, you know, prescribing running to anyone, especially when you're extending it out, it's very important to understand, are they recovering from that running? Um, because it's very dangerous when we start compounding a bunch of running volume on people when they're not used to it. Um, and I think we've probably all been in that scenario where we've done it ourselves and, you know, we got the shin splints or the knee or the ankle, or we did it to one of our clients and that happened as well. So, um, you bring up a good point where it's like, we have to make sure that they're ready for that, that volume. Um, Of course, of course there's other things that we can do in pacing. That's not running, but you know, running and walking and running are the things that come to my mind first where it's like, Hey, let's accumulate a lot of walking and jogging and eventually running volume.
1: Yeah. uh, The other thing that, you know, someone can experiment with is some body weight, you know, mixed modal types type stuff where they're doing a circuit of push ups and air squats and, you know, crawling and different like skips and hops and jumps if uh you know clients enjoy that variety and you want to give them give them that uh you know dose but again it's thinking about has this person built up volume of these skills i'm giving them in isolation first can this person actually you know do 20 push-ups for five sets before you (laughs) give it
0: (laughs) yeah that's that that it gets tough when you when you take out the ability to like spin slowly on a, an assault bike or, you know, pull a rower a little bit slower and kind of get your breath back. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that gets to become really challenging. Um, so I think the fun part of, of that mixed modal pacing with body weight only and no implements is figuring out what is that activity that that person can feel like they are going on an assault bike really slowly on and recover enough to do the push ups and the sit-ups and whatever they're doing outside of it that feel more like contractions. Um, you know, for a lot of people that's like a brisk walk, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, do this amount of work, 100 meter brisk walk, bring it back, do this amount of work. So I think that, that can, uh, become, that can become fun as a coach trying to figure out what that thing is for your client. Um, for some people it might be crawling. Uh, for me, it would not be. That would be, it'd be tough.
1: That crawling gases me. Yeah, oh crawling's tough. Yeah, you don't have
0: an opportunity to breathe. No. And yeah, if you're doing like a crawl squat combo, um, your your quads just get annihilated. It's almost doing like a squat uh, front plank workout. Mm. Your quads are just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I so think
1: I could do a bent hollow for probably 20 minutes, no problem. I'd, mm. that's a good like little breathing break for me a bent hollow hold
0: but we want to be moving and pacing
1: it's, well it's true yeah. i guess so yeah, yeah. like a gentle rock <laughs> <laughs> <Bent hollow> rock. <laughs> so just like
0: rocking on the ground it's like are, are you okay it's like yeah, yeah this is the this is the pacing part of yeah. this workout yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah but yeah. but in you know and and this is not just in pacing this is in um in patterns as well with clients um for coaches it becomes challenging it's it's more work when you're programming for a client because you just said like the the linear periodization model where it's like yeah we're gonna knock a little bit load a little bit of load off every week and blah 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 it's like i'm not saying coaches are doing that to be lazy it's like i i hope coaches are doing that but when we take away that uh opportunity to like linearly progress something it just becomes more work for the coach and what i said i don't want i don't want anyone to take what i said lightly i'm like you know, just figure out something that makes them adapt on a weekly basis. It's like, that's actually a lot of work to do that because you have to know that person, what they can do, how they responded to that thing you gave them, um, what they haven't done in a little, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of considerations that come into prescribing that kind of stuff. So I don't want to just throw that out there. Like it's not you know, probably 50% more work than just taking someone through linear periodization.
1: Yeah, it's definitely more work. I always think about like, okay, over these four weeks, let's start with this, you know, 15 minute body weight arm wrap and let's change one thing inside of it each week mm-hmm. uh, and let the person, you know, adapt to that. But it's hard if you're just throwing, you know, new things in every single week or if it's, you know, 16 minute a minute of each exercise. Let's change one of those things Mm -hmm. per week. Uh, As a coach, like on the coach's end, that feels a little bit more manageable than trying to come up with a list of five new bodyweight exercises for this person that can only do 12 of them effectively uh, every single week.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of strategies you can use though. Uh, You mentioned one with just like, you know, adding volume, adding volume on or changing that exercise. So, you know, if someone did want to, you know, get better at, you know, pacing patterns or like doing that mixed modal work um you know you could start off you know low in intervals and just add a bunch of volume not a bunch but add a little bit of volume over a bunch of weeks until they get to that 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes um you can come up with different strategies and like hey i want you to do uh this set let's say it is like you know 10 jump squats 15 pushups um, 20 meter crawl. It's like, I want you to do this. I want you to rest one-to-one and I want you to do it for 10 to 15 sets. And I want you to get a little bit faster after each set. And if 11 to 12, you can't get faster, then just wrap it up right there at 11 and just let me know. Right. So, um, there's different ways. It doesn't always have to be like AMRAP this or for time this or five sets of this. Like you can come up with different ways to challenge people through the, those pacing scenarios.
1: Definitely. Okay. Uh, let's wrap pacing there. Ideal training split. If you have a trainee who's transitioning from the gym to home, what does, uh, what does this split look like? Their daily plan?
0: Oh man, putting me on the spot. Um, gosh, I think for a lot of people, it's doing a little bit of everything every day. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of people, I think it's just that. Um, and that's because we're not driving, we're not driving so much volume and intensity that they can't recover from it the yeah. next day. So however many days of a week that they're training, it's like doing a little bit of everything on on each one of those days is probably fine for most people, especially for someone that's doing like three or four days a week.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity to create really good rhythm and encourage a daily movement practice. And maybe, you know, four or five of those days are prescribed by the coach. And then two of the days are a 30 minute walk or bike ride or movement of choice. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, uh, it is a good opportunity to uh, get people into that because they don't have a commute and they don't have other things going on if they're training at home. Yeah. Last piece, compliance. Let's just like talk about how to drive compliance up for people that are transitioning to training at home without equipment. Because there's definitely, you know, those feelings of... What's the point if I don't have weights, or you know, I'm I'm in this new environment that I have to adapt to, and you know, we we navigated this last year with clients, and a lot of coaches did and made it work. But what are some things that you would consider to make sure compliance stays high?
0: Oh man, I think the first thing would be um, the coach has to believe whatever the hell they're telling their client. Um, So whether that's like we're gonna reach this goal, or you know, we want to just move every day, or Uh, whatever, whatever that thing is, the coach has to actually believe it. And there has to be, there has to be something behind it. Um, I'm not going to lie, right. It's like, you know, am I as excited to train for three months with no equipment versus having equipment? No, I wouldn't be as excited to do that. (laughs) Right. So, you know, if I was working with a coach, I'd probably have a conversation with my coach and be honest with them and just let them know like, Hey, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't enjoy it as much as if I did have access to equipment. I would hope my coach were to ask me, why? Like, what are you getting in that gym scenario that you're not getting at home? If I were to be like, um, it's probably just like variety and different ways to um, experience contractions. Now the coach has that in their brain like, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to give them what they want, right? I need to give them some variety and different ways to experience contractions. Um, so it's like, that's, I guess that's where it is. It's like, do coaches have the knowledge to give that to each and every one of their clients? But it just goes back to just understanding what the client wants. What do, what do they want out of this whole thing? I think that's where you have to start. And uh, the coach has to be confident that they can uh, deliver it. Or they have to admit if they can't deliver it, I guess, right? Um, but I think it starts with just... Uh, understanding what that client wants out of their their training program
1: definitely like what is that client inspired by as well because there's some people you can have a conversation with and you know you're talking about how the goal is we're going to create this great rhythm in your life and you're going to be really consistent we're going to get daily movement and blood flow in and it's going to be supporting you and all the things that you want to do in life and you can have that conversation and they're like cool i'm going to do my 30 minutes of exercise i'm going to feel great i'm going to focus on my nutrition i'm going to get my sleep and they're really, like, involved in that process and just like the idea of, uh, you know, focusing on the process and the daily the daily movement practice. But for other people, they're more goal-oriented and they need something to chase in the gym. Like, you just run into some people and they always want to be working towards one thing. So it's like, what, what goals can we, you know, put in place for you that are restricted to body weight only. So can we do something like test your five-minute push-up AMRAP and try and improve that over a period of time? Could we take a look at your OPEX move uh, and like revisit that? Because it is a good opportunity for coaches. Like I know sometimes we get into the day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year, and there's little things that were once a you know major priority that you maybe just like let slip a little bit so as a coach it's a good reminder let's revisit movement patterns and if there's a little cleaning up we can do on uh you know the right active straight leg raise um we can do some cool stuff in in bending to improve that then let's focus on that and connect the client to the fact that we're trying to improve this one very specific thing and over the course of the next six weeks we're going to retest it or Side plank, maybe that thing's at 75 seconds and we want it at 90, let's work on uh, bumping you towards that. So yeah, I just think it's a a good opportunity to think about number one, what inspires your client? Do they like chasing goals? Are they cool with just the daily process? And then number two, revisiting the things that we should be prioritizing as coaches uh, in assessment and things like that.
0: I mean, broken record, but also, (laughs) what are your goals for your clients? because it it would be just a, an absolute nightmare to always have to have this like FME or like this metric thing that you're chasing all the time with a client. And when like they hit it or they decide like, Oh, that's not that important to me anymore. Uh, you have to figure out a different one and plug that in. Um, I think those are fun. I think those are good to like, have those like little small victories um, along this, this uh, coach client relationship. But um you, I think every coach just almost naturally has that conversation at least once a year with their clients where it's like, all right, what are, what, are, what are we doing this for? Like, let's, let's realign. Like, this is what I have on my side. This is, this is where my head is. Are we still there? Right. It's like, this is probably a good opportunity to talk about that, um, that more big picture piece. And when, when a client says, well, you know, I do want to improve, you know, this or that it's like, if that thing is so specific and you're like, yeah, we could probably do that in a couple of weeks. It's like, but what do you really want to do? So when we get there, are we done? Or is there something that we want to do after that? Um, And that has to like vibe well with where that coach wants to take their client as well. I think that is so biased. I don't think every coach should feel, or I don't think every coach does feel that way. Um, I do think every coach should feel that way. So I don't want to lie and and say that I I don't feel that way, but um, I think it's important that the coaches have like this, this thing that they're trying to move every one of their clients to, um, just because it it just feels really good as a as a as a fitness coach, and you know having having like your all in or your purpose and what you're trying to do as a coach, I think that's really important.
1: Definitely. Well guys, I hope there were some uh, good pieces inside of there that you can apply if you are training people with body weight only, or even if you're training people in the gym and you're doing some body weight training with them. Hopefully there are some pieces you could pick up on from today to apply to your practice. As always, leave us a review, like, and subscribe. We do appreciate it. And again, if you're a CCP coach, Get in on those summit tickets ASAP uh, while you get $75 off and before they sell out because we want to see you in person and give you a big hug.
0: Secret sauce. I won't even charge anyone for this. 1,000 push-ups for time. That'll challenge anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's a secret sauce. 1,000 push-ups. Pay me later.
1: There we go. Well, guys, see you next week.
0: See ya.